Welcome to Current Affairs Taiwan. I'm your host, Donovan Smith. As many of you may know, I also, one of the hats I wear is I'm the, the central Taiwan correspondent for ICRT. And today I'm fortunate enough to be joined by our southern Taiwan correspondent for ICRT, Michael Smith. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you on the show, and I've been hoping to for a while, but now we've got the Kaohsiung election, and of course, you're the expert down there. So uh, what, what, how, what do you think about the candidates that the three parties put forward? Well, I think one thing to remember is that the time that we had between the ouster of Hungary, which I believe uh, that was June 6th, right? And then he left mm -hmm. uh, roughly 10 days after that. And then this election on August 15th, the campaign period was very, very short. So um, picking Chen Shi Mai for the DPP, some people were wondering, uh, why would you pick a, a former loser? You know, if you want to put it kind of uh, uh, bluntly, <laughs> but um, he has the name recognition, right? He, mm -hmm. he, he doesn't need to do that much campaigning. Everybody knows who he is and he does have his, his weaknesses. But um, so far, it's turning out to be, uh, as all indicators point to it, being a very good choice uh, made by the DPP. Now, at the same time, over on the KMT side, they decided to choose Jane Lee or Lee Maidson based on uh, kind of an averaging of polls where she came out on top. And, uh, you know, I'll be blunt. I think that one of the reasons that she won was because she was a pretty face, she's younger, and she didn't look like a traditional KMT politician. But again, you mean because... weathered prune is not the KMT, <laughs> yeah. uh, not the look you, the KMT you, wanted to go with? You said that, not me. <laughs> so, but, but the problem was that, you know, they didn't actually have enough time to really assess her weaknesses and her strengths. And if they thought that just picking a young face was going to be enough to draw uh, young people in, that doesn't really seem to uh, be panning out uh, all that well for them. So then, of course, just a, a few weeks into the, the, the campaign or so, you get this plagiarism scandal. And as I was discussing with the uh, director and professor at the uh, National Science University at the Institute of Political Science uh, over the weekend, um, most of the people who are trying to get their master's degrees are somewhere in the you know order of 30 to 40 years old. You know, we could consider that sort of young if you want to. And that that fact that she did it and uh, allegedly did it and also that it seemed to be so sloppy, like a cut and paste sort of thing that he says that he doesn't think that uh, people are going to be able to, especially younger, let's say under 40 people, are going to be able to forgive her for that. So that's probably eroded any any possible uh, youth vote that she did have. Yeah. Okay. So what about the TPP candidate? He's a very interesting fellow. Um, he's a dual party member of both the uh, PFP, right, and also the TPP. And over the weekend, we had Mayor Coenza from Taipei come down to Kaohsiung and stump in the Gangsang district, which is like one of the, the three. They say if you can win the three mountain districts, Gangsang, Qisan, and Fengshan, then you can win Kaohsiung. So that's, a, that's long been a strategy for electoral politics down here. So he came down and he did, uh, you know, he did what he does, uh, shaking hands and all of that. But um, I don't really believe that the candidate uh, Wu Yijiang, who is a uh, Kaohsiung City Council member, I don't think he ever had any illusions that he was going to win this election. He did attempt back in 2018 to uh, 
at that time, I, I don't even remember what party he was trying to run for. It may, may have even been the DPP, but he did put himself forward as a candidate uh, back in that one. And he dropped out not long into the, to the, the race. So now he's running for the TPP, technically a member of two parties. And it seems to be more of like a brand recognition exercise than anything else. Um, they're testing the waters down here in southern Taiwan to see if this third party or middle of the road concept has legs. Mm -hmm. But as the professor was telling me over the weekend, this idea that there's a whole trove of independent voters out there just desperately seeking for something besides the green or the blue is a bit romantic because surveys and, and, and numbers show that really there really aren't that many independent voters. There might be some undecided voters, but undecided voters are most likely just going to stay at home. Mm -hmm. So what's his constituency? Well, what's interesting is I, f I feel like, you know, Kulwenja keeps trying to portray the party as being centrist, but they seem to be drawing defectors from the pan blue camp. And most of the things that they say and talk about are what I, I personally refer to as Taipei centrist. In other words, it sounds centrist to people from Taipei, but not outside of Taipei. I hear you. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're going after uh, light blue and you know light green centrist defectors. I wonder if that's their that feels to me like their strategy. What I've Does heard that seem from, to be what I've heard from people down here that uh, originally were really strong supporters of Han um, uh, Guoyu, the the last mayor. Some of them have told me that uh, they think that the TPP candidate is the one who has the best ideas. They they actually they're, they're, they may even consider not voting for their party's candidate. They like him, so it would lend credence to your idea that they're more of a, a slanting blue party, especially for maybe central and southern Taiwanese voters. I have not heard any green voter tell me that they think that the TPP has really great ideas for Kaohsiung or for for uh, Taiwan in general. So yeah, I would I would have to agree on that. Now, it, what's interesting, just as a side note for the listeners, is Jane Lee, actually, when she first ran for city council, she actually ran under the PFP banner, the People's First Party banner, uh, as well. And her so father she's also, was also a PFP member, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 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 So now we can't talk about specific polls, but we can sort of talk about them in general. So what were they looking like in, in a general sense, uh, you know, uh, before the window closed to talk about specific ones? Yeah, I don't know exactly what the law is. So I think I should be super careful here um, at mentioning anything at all. But let's just say that uh, before the window closed, the very last poll that was put out, the DPP candidate had an overwhelming lead, let's say mm -hmm. uh, uh, three times the amount of perhaps the, the, the nearest challenger. And they also said that uh, if perhaps uh, at the end people decide that uh, the KMT person doesn't have a chance, you might see some defectors who decide to go for the TPP candidate. And if that were the case, then it could end up that the two rivals to Chen Shimai end up having almost the same vote count. So mm -hmm. I can say this, uh, in the weeks, several weeks ago, Chen Shimai was leading in every of Kaohsiung's 38 districts, and he was also leading in every age demographic in Kaohsiung. And that's pretty impressive. Wow. That is impressive. So and why, two, two different, you know, two, I'm not saying that he was leading by wild margins with the over 60 year olds, but just he had a lead in everyone, you know, varying a varying lead.
Mm-hmm. Hmm. So here's here's something that I that I find uh, kind of puzzling is why haven't Jane Lee or uh, Wee Jung's uh, supporters started trying to distract uh, Chen Chi Mai with catnip? I I feel like that would be a really good strategy. <laughs> no, it wasn't catnip. But last week it was reminding everybody that Chen Chi Mai's father went to prison for corruption. Mm-hmm. And also pointing out that maybe his brother is involved in, you know, gambling or some other or one of his relatives is this or that. It was one of those, you know, your family is not so no, not so clean, uh, you know, less than subtle reminders. And right. um, to his credit, Chen Shi Mai did come out and he addressed the issue head on. He said, you know, I I cannot escape uh, the fact that my family is who they are and what happened happened and I have to bravely face it and walk forward and I'm not going to, you know, try to minimize it or whatever. This is this is just a fact and this happened and I leave it to you to decide if uh, that is uh, something that matters to you or not. Uh, I think I've shown my blah, 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 blah. So, you know, he hasn't really improved very much with his wooden persona and his uh, he's not the best campaigner, but I do sense a sort of like, I think that losing uh, a surprise loss like he did in 2018, it kind of it's given him a calmness in the second time around. Like hmm. he he seems to feel at least he projects an image of like, well, you know, I, I think I'm the best candidate here. I think uh, pretty much everybody knows that. But if that's really not what the people want, you know, it's happened before. It could happen again. Uh, yeah, c'est la vie kind of thing. And that calmness to my eye is doing him a, a good service. It's making the the boring part of his personality perhaps not be such an issue. It's mm-hmm. more like we'd rather have because Gaosheng voters chose many, many green voters decided to go for the flashy guy with the slogans and everything in 2018. And they got burned. At least that's how they see it. And so this time around, Chen Chen isn't trying to upstage or you know portray himself as 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 charismatic or whatever. He's simply the same old guy. I know Gaosheng. I know every part of this city. I know what it needs. Uh, I've got support from the central government. Uh, blah blah blah. And he's he he seems to have a, a sort of peace about him as he speaks. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, because he definitely does not come across as a party animal. He's not the kind of guy you want to go out for a night on the town with, does he? He doesn't really it, come across that way, does he? It would not seem that way at all. No, he, 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 he. I, I don't think that he would be all that offended if I actually uh, told him to his face that you know he he's a bit boring on the campaign trail, and he probably would respond with a, a chuckle and say, "Well, you know, my duty is to uh, do things for the people, not worry about my image or something like that." He he I think he knows uh, that he, he, he's pretty self-aware at this point of, of what he is. And when mm-hmm. I was talking to the professor over the weekend, I asked him if he thought that uh, Chen Shi Mai would do a, a two year term or if he would uh, do a, you know, possibly as long as 10 years because he could run for two terms of, in his own right. Correct. Yeah. So the professor tells me that in his view, definitely he's in for the long haul. He'll do the 10 years and then he'll be in a good position to be uh, the legislative UN uh, chief or something like that, or possibly vice president. But we we both agreed that his ultimate goal is probably Xinzhen Yuan Zhang, because that's really, if you think about it, that's really where the power in Taiwan lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's not a great campaigner and that's an appointed position. So that'd be good for him, I think. Yes. 
And, and some interesting things about him. He uh, he was in the Wild Lily movement, which pushed for a democratization of Taiwan back in the day, uh, along with uh, fellow alums um, Fan Yun and uh, Lin Jialong. Yes. So he's part of that crew. Um, so they were kind of a, a originally they were kind of like the sunflower movement of their day. So he came out of that. Uh, which I, I think is kind of interesting. It's an interesting historical note. People don't talk about that a whole lot today, but I think it was it was an important time in history. Yeah, and that was just that was 1990, I believe. So that's just after Tiananmen Square in China and in Taiwan. We were fortunate enough to have uh, the late President Li Donghui decide to bring people in and bring the students in and talk to them. And although it took him six years to get it uh, rammed through the legislature, it ended with the first democratically elected president of the country and uh, a change to the beginnings of democracy. So, yeah, he hasn't brought that up on the cam tra campaign trail that I'm aware of so far. And I'm and you're right there. There may be many young people who are not even aware of that. But, uh, yeah, he, he has his credentials pretty solidly uh, in the democracy movement. And he he does know the city. He. He, he was mayor for a time. It was mildly controversial, but he, he knows the city. He seems to be reaching the people in the right way. And I mean, it would be very, very shocking to me. And I've been told I should stop predicting the results of elections. But <laughs> it would be very, very shocking to me if he were not to take the crown uh, this coming Saturday. Hmm. Now, I've, I've seen some of the campaign ad, uh, ads. And of course, I, I, you know, I love to make fun of those. And, and I ended up personally on the news for one of my rather sarcastic uh, comments on uh, one of Jane Lee's. Uh, they didn't pick up my sarcastic comments on uh, either Wu Yizheng or uh, Chen Chi Mai's ads because uh, I did mock all three of them. Um, Got to be fair. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. Um, so, I mean, we have a Chen Chi Mai. I saw he had these ads with his cat, which is bizarrely enough named uh, Chen Xiaomi, which is, of course, a Chinese <laughs> Xiaomi is a Chinese brand of smartphone. Well, don't forget, uh, Tsai Ing-wen has her cats, right? I think one is called Think Think. I forget what the other one name is. Yep. So having a cat uh, may now be somewhat associated with not only Tsai Ing-wen, but also, uh, I don't know, intelligence, uh, the DPP, a softer image. And remember, it's not a dog which was what our last mayor had. Yes, I, I was about to bring that up. Also, Xiaobi Kim, the new um, uh, representative to the United States, has described herself as a cat warrior there you go. to fight off the wolf warrior diplomacy of China. So that definitely seems to be a DPP theme now. Now, then there was that uh, Wei Zheng's ads looked really boring and gray, and I noticed they he forgot to put their own ballot number on them, which didn't suggest that they thought they were going to win. And um, also, you you don't see very many banners or any signs. Like there, there's very, I, I cannot think of right now one large, uh, you know, like one of those billboards for him at all. There's. I also have not seen any parades or any motorcycles going up and down the street with uh, his number or his name on it. The only time he shows up, it seems, when he's when he visits a night market or something or uh, the mayor of Taipei comes down. They have not sunk a lot of money into this campaign. Mm. I, it's something you said earlier is, is something that's actually been on my mind a lot and the branding exercise. And I really feel like a, a lot of what the KMT was hoping to accomplish with running Jane Lee is that whether she would win or lose, she would gain huge amount of name recognition. 
and she's only 41, which is young by that party's standards. Um, but I mean, obviously, with the plagiarism thing, that kind of has sunk her brand, I think, long term. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, but also for the TPP, this raises visibility of their candidate and their party, which they, you know, they haven't really made many inroads outside of Taipei yet. Um, and then, of course, Jane Lee's ad, uh, she ran that video the other day. I, now, the obvious part that is just bizarre is the throwing garbage at her part of the ad. But the part of the ad that really actually jumped out at me is the messaging of to use a, uh, like one clip. There's an older man with uh, he's got ROC flags on his cheeks, you know, like he's just come from a rally or a parade or something. And he's got little ROC flags and he's with a little kid. And a younger guy comes out, looks at him, rolls his eyes and turns his back on him. Yeah. And so what do you think about this messaging? Oh, it was very clear. The flag on the face and the eye rolling, these are direct. I wouldn't I wouldn't even say dog whistle. I'd, I'd say bullhorn. This mm -hmm. is a direct appeal to Han Fun. And yeah. th it's possible that uh, if all of them were to amass in the way that they, they did uh, for Han, you you might get 20 you know percent of the electorate who feel that way it was a direct appeal to those people they were the ones who were doing the flags on their faces they were the ones who felt that their candidate was having garbage thrown at them so the symbolism in there is once again the southern taiwan electorate is dumping on a good person for not valid reasons and i'm the victim here again I'm a victim. I'm a victim. You know, mohe, mohe, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. it, it was very, very clear that that was what she was trying to get across. So, I mean, it, it is true. It's not popular to be KMT here in Kaohsiung. Um, most of my friends who are KMT don't really bring it up all that often. But it's also not like you're you're going to get physically assaulted for, you know, your your stance you might have someone roll their eyes at you, but there is this victimhood feeling down here within the KMT. They they really do feel like, uh, you know, the, the last candidate was, Kang uh, uh, was thrown out of office for completely unfair reasons in their view. They're like, you just didn't like him. You didn't like his style. How is that a fair reason to throw him out of office? Um, they see it as unjust and she's appealing to them and we'll see if it works, if she can lock in that amount. Um, I, I don't think there's that level of enthusiasm for her because she really did shoot herself in the foot with the plagiarism thing. And the fact that she is not, oh, she, I mean, she acknowledged it. She came out and she renounced her degree, which are not, you know, actually allowed to do, but <laughs> she, she has stuck to the victim line instead of perhaps being a little bit more aggressive and saying, Okay, you know what? Every single politician in Taiwan does exactly this. This is how the system works. And maybe you don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. I'm always going to tell you the truth. So, yeah, I got busted. Um, I was stupid. But let me tell you what, this is uh, there, there are other ways that she might have been able to, to be combative. And but instead, it's poor me. And mm -hmm. it, it isn't going over well for anybody who isn't a complete died in the died in the blue, you know? Yeah. 
I also found something, another thing, another part of that ad I found interesting is it seemed to suggest that young people will bully each other if they show support for the KMT. So it, it almost suggested like there's this rash of high school students who roam around in packs and <laughs> gangs and, oh, you're a KMT supporter and we're going to take you into the bathroom and beat the crap out of you. Yeah, it, it sort of came across like that. Um, well, during the, the the crazy period where the Han Fun were, you know, trouncing about the city and uh, freaking out and screaming, you know, for their messiah back in 2018, there was not one reported case of that I uh, can recall of any violence against a Han supporter. Uh, there was no stories of um, any sort of issue. But I can think of several stories of when the recall happened up in the Joshian County, I believe, a man was accused of allegedly running his vehicle into one of the tents that was collecting signatures. There were people Ooh. that would ride by on motorcycles and scream obscenities at uh, other ballot uh, people trying to oust him. Um, there were fights that broke out uh, with uh, related to Han uh, fans. So the idea that, yeah, the idea that there's rows of uh, of teenagers uh, number one teenagers generally you have to be 20 to vote in taiwan so it, it, there's very few people in the 20 to 30 age group in kaohsiung who are strong supporters of the kmt and if you were i think you'd almost be admired for your bravery i don't think you really would uh, yeah yeah so that whole idea is just uh, in my view a very simple Poor me, pitiful me, paint me sad. So, uh, which kind of, I, um, two questions immediately jumped to mind from that. But let's start with Hang Guoyu. He, There's been a lot of talk about will he or won't he stump for Jane Lee. And there's been conflicting messages and, uh, you know, it's been a kind of like, well, you know, I, of course he will. And uh, But then so there I, appear I to be some people who don't want that. So. So what's the what, what what's going on down there? I contacted the uh, the Jane Lee campaign and I asked if I could speak to her for you know let's say five minutes and I promised that we wouldn't even bring up controversial topics. I just wanted her to tell me, for example, the top three things that she would plan to do if she were elected mayor. And her campaign spokesperson, uh, Mr. Huang, in the uh, first couple of calls, he was extremely enthusiastic. And although he didn't say it out loud, his his general uh, feeling that I got from him was like, well, what do we have to lose? Like, uh, I interviewed Hang Guoyu just after he was elected, and it got him a lot of uh, positive publicity because he was willing to speak in English. So uh, we, we were all set for an interview this week, actually. And then she decided that the media just doesn't treat them fair, and it was too risky, and so they called it off. But I also asked him about the uh, question you just posed as to whether Han would, would take the stage. And it looks like right now the rumors are that this coming Friday, which would be, of course, the last day before the campaign, uh, before the vote, that Han will probably take the stage with her and possibly, possibly former President Ma Ying-jeou, uh, new Taipei Mayor Ho Yi, and possibly the Taichung Mayor Lu Shouyan as well. So, I mean, I'm a little doubtful that Ho Yi really wants to show up. Mind Joe would probably be okay with doing this. And uh, Han would probably definitely like to do a little, you know, return and uh, bask in uh, a, a segment of the population's support. And, you know, the, the returning uh, whatever uh, analogy you want to use here. 
but it, it's it's been a deep question on, on everyone's minds as to whether or not he helps or hurts. Obviously, yeah. he was ousted with nine hundred and something forty thousand uh, votes. Uh, so everyone who voted for him voted against him and more. So he's not popular in the city, but he remains extremely popular amongst that tiny sliver of blue voters. So if Jane Lee even wants to reach the threshold that would be barely tolerable for the KMT to take as a defeat, they may need to get Han out there and for him to say, you know, don't let these people once again destroy a, a, a candidate who only wants to help uh, Gaoshang with you know, scurrilous accusations and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to put my money on him actually showing up on Friday. OK, uh, you, you keep doing a great job, by the way, of uh, pre answering all my questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that does bring me to uh, another one. And th this is something that I've seen now uh, for, for listeners inside the KMT right now. There's this big kind of struggle going on. They're trying to pass uh, under the new uh, new KMT chair, Johnny Chang or Jiang Jitsan. He set up a reform committee and they came up with a series of reforms for the KMT. And among them were uh, scrapping the 1992 consensus. And so he's been campaigning on that as the KMT chair. And they he's trying to get to, at the party conference on September 16th, I think it is. He wants to get his reforms passed. Now, most of the KMT elites have come out against this because they firmly believe in the 1992 consensus. But he wants to move the party to more toward the center of Taiwan's uh, mainstream in terms of politics. So he's trying to push that forward. However, his, his first big test here as KMT chair is, of course, this election. And to a certain degree, it's on him. And now it's already been uh, very badly damaged with, of course, this plagiarism, uh, this plagiarism allegations. So in, now something that I've seen in both that these are pan blue media outlets, the China Times and UDN, both of them were basically kicking around the number of uh, Jane Lee has to get 31 percent, which was the KMT result in 2014. Uh, if she gets anything below that or should fall behind the TPP candidate, then that means that Johnny Chang should resign. So do you think either of those two scenarios are likely, first of all, that she falls under 31 percent or and or she falls behind the TPP candidate? So uh, just yesterday, the KMT headquarters put out a statement where they said that they believe the damage from the plagiarism scandal has diminished and that Lee is ready for the election. They said Pan Blue supporters would support Lee for the sake of Kaohsiung's development. I happen to disagree. I think that that was more than a shot, uh, you know, a self-inflicted shot in the foot. It was more like a self-inflicted gut wound. And mm. it really just took away any reason that any sensible person would have. So I'm thinking that a lot of people who perhaps uh, may have thought of supporting her initially will probably stay home. I don't think they'll bother to vote for the TPP candidate, but they might just not show up. So the first part of your question, whether she could fall below 31 percent, I say that's very, very possible. As far as falling behind the TPP candidate, I don't think so. And I think the damage to Johnny Jung is actually going to be quite minimal. Um, I was talking with the professor, Leo, again uh, over the weekend, and we brought up this subject. And he said that, you know, the 
the the whole nomination process and everything, he wasn't involved really deeply in all of this, like you would be if it were a major race. If it were the normal year, you know, 2022, which is the next one coming up, then the KMT head would have had a very much more of a, a, a direct hand in picking who the candidate would be based on, you know, who would be the strongest one. And in this case, it kind of just happened by itself. Gaoshon kind of clobbered together their people. They took an aggregate of the highest polls and she emerged as the one that they thought was going to uh, pan out. Of course, he he has some, you know, something to do with it. But the professor doesn't really believe that the KMT members are going to hold him responsible for her loss, especially because he obviously, or at least we can't prove that he did, but he doesn't seem to have known anything about this plagiarism scandal until it broke. And the way he handled it was pretty decisive. He said as a, a academic or a former academic himself, he finds this totally unacceptable. And uh, he tried to do his best to mollify the situation, but he did, you know, sort of condemn it in its own way, his own way. So I don't think that uh, if she falls that behind, I don't think it's going to hurt him as much as some people are arguing. All right. Well, on that note, um, I'd like to uh, we'll end the show here. And thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, your insights are great. I, I always love talking talking with you on on basically everything on politics, and especially you have you you really know Gaosheng. You've got that that beat down so well. Um, so again, thanks very much for coming on. May Wendy. All right. <laughs> All right. Be sure to tune in next week for another Current Affairs Taiwan. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw.